episode 46, Transforming Your Small Law Practice into a Thriving Business Through Technology. My conversation with Georgia trial attorney, Jim Grant. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the TechSavvyLawyer.page and host of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. Jim Grant is a successful personal injury attorney in Georgia. Jim and his partner, Mark Kirshen, founded Kirshen and Grant LLC in 2015 to fight for the rights of the injured and their families against the greed of multi-million and multi-billion dollar insurance companies. Jim and his partner share a passion for empowering the injured with the highest levels of professionalism and ethics. Their philosophy is to prepare and run every case as if they were the client. Join Jim and I as we discuss how his firm accomplishes this through the use of technology with the following three questions and more. Enjoy. Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here today. And I'm thrilled to have you. And to get things going, why don't you tell us, what is your current tech setup? Well, there's two tech setups we could talk about. Do you want to talk about my office setup? It's actually in the office or my home office setup? I got two of them. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about the office setup that you're in right now. All right. So I'm actually in the physical office, even though there's only one person that's here every day. But the office setup, we've got the ThinkStation with Windows 10 Pro, 16 gigs of RAM, 256 gigs of memory. I've got the most amazing 49-inch curved monitor. I didn't know about these or I didn't think about buying one of these until recently. It is the greatest thing on the face of the planet. And Uh, and, and hold on, why is that? And also, what is the make? Samsung. Okay. uh, So just because it's curved, like you can almost just like immerse yourself in everything. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's so much clearer. It's so much crisper. You, you have so much space. And then there's also this app called power toys where you can then take your monitor and just turn it into all these different zones. So where normally you're kind of limited with, um, you know, other monitors, this, you can have, horizontal, vertical, you can, I mean, just, you can have all sorts of different setups of windows and different shapes and sizes. And uh, yeah, so that was the greatest thing ever. And then, you know, we just got like a standard, you know, Logi HD um, webcam. I've got a blue microphone Yeti. Um, And then I think that's it for like the setup, you know, like a standard keyboard. I mean, nothing special. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've been keeping eye on blogs and stuff. And in the news, of course, and it seems like maybe the computer makers might be going from internal webcams and not to regular webcams, but just to start using your smartphone because your smartphones, you know, you, you capture a really good picture. And there are there are already programs that allow you to sort of Bluetooth or um, connect your desktop or laptop to your phone and use that as an external uh, cam. I mean, that's not a bad deal. I like it. I mean, I've got the iPhone 13 Pro Max. It does and, a lot. And, and, and you know, it's funny. Uh, I have that as well. And I was involved with another uh, users group. And David Sparks of MaxSparky.com, he had showed us live sort of a comparison of 
the built-in webcam, the Logitech 4K, uh, the Brio, and then also another fancy, uh, you know, uh, 4K 4K external webcam. And of all the pictures, the iPhone was the best. I mean, and you know, that's just from watching, you know, on my screen. And so I, I could see that, you know, you know, I've got the the Logitech 1081, I've got the Brio. And now you're beginning to wonder, did I waste my money? I mean, that's that's not a bad pitch. I mean, the only thing you have to have is you just have a have to have a stand for it. But I mean, that's those are easy. I mean, for shooting TikToks and stuff, I've mm-hmm. got one of these. What is it? DJI. I don't know what it's actually called. Gimbal. There we go. That's Gimbal. the word. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so you you set your phone in there, and I mean, you can even walk around the office, and no one's going to see that you're bouncing up and down. So. That's that's not a bad pitch from the computer companies. Well, so I mean that that's the office setup. The home office, it's a little different. We have laptops that we carry with us. All all of our attorneys have laptops, but we use the oh, which which one is this called? The ThinkPad docking station. Okay. Uh, so it's a, it's a Lenovo ThinkBook again, Windows 10 Pro, and then we've got you know Microsoft 365 for everything. But the computer's got I think eight gigs of RAM, eight gigs of memory. 19 gigs of virtual memory. And then we have, everybody gets at least two 24 or 27 inch monitors with the same camera, but that, but we'll offer everybody a standing desk, but I'm the only one that uses a standing desk. I love that sucker. I got a 49 inch standing desk, another great investment. Do you have that at work as well? No, I don't have it at work. I don't know why, but I just have it at home. Probably because I only come to the office like maybe two days a week. Or you just got to talk to the boss. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's true. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. my uh, home office is in the basement, which is where our our uh, home gym is. So the bosses uh, said that that is where I will be. So I can do a lot of things down there. I can get a little workout in between conference calls and stuff. So who, there you who go. Knows? There, it, it may be better. So I got to ask. You mentioned that you use Windows 10 Pro. Why have you not upgraded to 11 yet? So. This goes on hearsay, which is probably the worst thing that an attorney should operate under. But I've heard that there's been a lot of issues and complaints with like, you know, different softwares being incompatible with mm-hmm. Windows 11. And, you know, there's, I don't know, I guess I'm waiting for him to work all the bugs out if in fact that is what it is. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like why you don't buy the first model of a car. Right, you know, right. If Porsche comes out with a brand new, you know, like they came out with a Cayman, you don't buy the first year of the Cayman. You wait for the next year from the fix all the bugs. So maybe wait six months and upgrade. I don't know. Fair enough. No, just, I was just curious. And I got to, I've got to offer a small suggestion that, and I get no kickbacks from this. I use a device called PlexiCam. And what it does, it's a clear hook that you put over your monitor so that you can put your webcam dead center. So no offense, while we're talking, of course, the listeners can't see this. You're looking at me on the screen, but you're looking down at me. Yep. And so I'm looking at you, but I placed your image right above the webcam that, I'm, that I've hooked over the monitor. So hopefully you see me looking at you, not looking up at you. Does that make sense? I like that. Yeah. No, I'm going to have so, to look into that. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like we, 60 yeah. bucks. So, yeah. Well, and we all can see it. Everybody knows when you're either looking off screen or looking mm-hmm. slightly down or, I mean, you know, it's the same thing on social media. It drives me nuts, especially right. with attorneys. I, I I hate it when I see an attorney on TikTok that I can tell they're reading a teleprompter. Drives me insane. <laughs> well, maybe that should give them a little bit of advice if they're listening that, you know, 
talk to your to the audience, look at the camera, and don't sound like you're reading something off the tel- uh, teleprompter. But let's get into the questions. What are three ways your firm uses technology to enhance client communications? So in 2020, we started a change that has been drastic for our firm. Um, We had a very large U.S.-based presence, meaning all of our staff and employees Mm -hmm. were based in Georgia because that's where our physical office was and everyone came into the office. And then COVID hit and changed everything. Now we have almost become a fully virtual law firm, meaning we have one person that is required to be in the office every day, and that's mm-hmm. a receptionist to handle mail in and mail out. Okay. So we are now a fully virtual firm for the most part, which opens up a global pool of candidates to work for us. So we have people that work for us in the Philippines, in Mexico, in other countries in South America, and across the US, and allowing us to be virtual throughout the world just opens up so much more opportunities for clients because now you're not limited to the geographic location of where a certain person lives. Now, if the best candidate lives in Malaysia, guess what? I can hire them and no one's going to know the difference. And also it just allows us to have more people to do more things for clients. You know, so many times, you know, I'm, I'm a personal injury attorney. My law firm, mm-hmm. we focus on representing people that are injured through no fault of their own, through the negligence of another. So there's a lot of work that goes into the contingency side of the business. And the faster and more productive and more efficient I can be, the better results I'm going to get for my clients, the better communication they're going to receive, and the better it's going to be for everybody in the firm and the business included. So with that, it's just, it's opened up a lot by us going virtual and global at the same time, because then- there's that flexibility. So have you had any pushback from clients or other parties about that your office is not quote unquote in Georgia, that all the people are not in Georgia, that you've got people across the country? Because you know, I remember 10 years ago, I was getting a little pushback from say one or two people, not, not like a large majority, people who are like, you know, what kind of attorney are you? You know, you have an office downtown, but you do most of your work from home and you've got clerks, you know, across the country? There can be, you know, that perspective, but at the same time, we've never had anyone raise that issue. Number one, no one knows that. It's not something that we necessarily publicize, but it's not that we're hiding anything. That, you know, the way the world works now with the internet is our voice over IP that we use right. through the office, it's dial pad. So all I do is whenever I onboard a new staff member, we just go add a new phone number. Now we try right. to pick a, a phone number that has an area code that's local. So that way our phone numbers are at least consistent within the same area code. Most right. of the time we've been able to do that, but sometimes we get one that's maybe you know the next area code over. But we're, we're still from all appearances, it appears that we are all local calling from local numbers and it's all consistent. I mean, and, you know, again, there's always perceptions, but perception versus reality is one thing. The reality of the situation is, you know, people speak English very well throughout the world. So a lot of people come in with misconceptions. Oh, well, if you're hiring people in other countries, they they can't speak English. No, that's not the case. Like they teach English as a second language in many other countries. So there's, there's a lot of misconceptions that we've been able to bust, so to speak, which has only been able to enhance our ability to have that global pool and then just have more people doing the work to be more efficient through the process. So do you use any 
particular pieces of software technology to help those communications with your staff and the various clients? You mentioned Dialpad. What do you like about Dialpad? I mean, there, there's tons of voice over IP companies that are out there. I mean, you know, it's almost like there's a new one that's pitching me every other week. But at the same time, you know, consistency is key as well because you know what you get. It's, mm-hmm. it, the grass is always greener on the other side, so to speak, when you're looking for vendors. So you have to be careful about that. But, you know, Dialpad, they've got a really good system. I don't get any money off talking about them. I, we, we've All used right. them for years. But, you know, the way it works is you just log in the portal, you request a new number, it syncs up with Microsoft 365. So it, mm-hmm. it just makes onboarding so much easier because then you're not having to go to all these different portals and have all these different logins. It's just, you have your Office 365 account and that's able to connect with so many different things. And then, you know, the cool thing of being able to have a, you know, computer that's through your, or a phone that's through your computer. Uh And if anybody wants, they can have a physical desk phone. Now we only have two people in our entire firm that want desk phones, which both of them are the owners, myself and my business partner, Mark, because- all right. We're old people on the inside on some things, but at the same time, I can call on my cell phone. I can call mm-hmm. on my computer. I can call, you know, wherever I am. And it's just like, I'm calling from that number. And then you have the ability to text. You have the ability to send videos. I mean, there's, there's just a, a lot of flexibility that you get with a voice over IP that you don't get with, you know, a, a standard setup. If you're going with a landline. What are two other pieces of technology or software that you'd like to use to help communications with your clients? So one of the big things that we like to focus on is being able just to be fast with communication and communicating in advance or anticipating when our clients are going to be coming into us or reaching out to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have a rule in our office that as, as a client, you can contact us as much as you want. You know, if you want to text us, email us, if you want to send in a carrier pigeon, Harry Potter, Potter style, whatever you want to do, like we're going to get back with you. And, but we also let them know that we're going to have ongoing updates given to you, you know, at certain milestones. And then in addition, we're going to have certain updates that are just going to be rolling in the pre-litigation personal injury side of things. On a pre-litigation case, we have rolling updates about every 10 to 14 days. And then if the case moves into litigation, we have rolling updates that also go out. It increases a little bit because in litigation, nothing's going to happen fast but it's you know anywhere from 14 to 21 days. So kind of in that two and a half to three week period, we get new updates out. But we use our software. We have a NEOS as our case management software. Can you spell also that? N-E-O-S. It's Needles was the original. It now changed to NEOS. Needles is the server-based version. Mm-hmm. So if you want to actually have a physical server, which so many headaches to that because we used to do that and you have to have all the hardware and RAID configurations. and It's just a mess. You can go to cloud. Cloud's easy. Cloud, you can access from everywhere. Neos is the cloud-based version. And then also with our global presence, it makes things a lot easier as well. But with using Neos as our case management software to build templates, in addition um, to HubSpot with our CRM, in addition to Microsoft Dynamics and Power Automate, we can automate a lot of things to where we've built out through the course of a personal injury case. There's probably about 200 and I think it's 270 updates that we've been able to come up with ourselves. Wow. So when those updates tick off and or somebody marks that something has been received or um, a document comes in named a certain thing, right. then the system automatically knows that's the key to say, all right, search the system, search for this update, email it out to the client. That removes a lot of, you know, 
what would have taken a paralegal or somebody else probably 15 minutes to figure out themselves right. now happens in just a matter of a few seconds. And did you create these workflows yourself or did you have assistance? We've had lots of trial and error experience of creating them ourselves. You know, there's and, there, and there's a lot of great vendors out there that work with Microsoft. It's, you know, Microsoft is great. I love Microsoft. I love the Microsoft suite just because you get access to their people and their tech support and they can right. help you so much. The only issue is sometimes they may say, well, we know this platform, but we don't know this platform. And then when you start talking about integrating like three different platforms, we've kind of had to do a lot of ourselves. <laughs> so I've got two from you and, you know, I like things in threes. So I got to ask for one more piece of tech or software that you use to help your communications with your clients. So, I mean, do you want me to talk about like the hardware? You could talk about whatever you want. Actually, I talk, I'm going to ask you this question and this might help. All right. So you told me uh, probably that you have an iPhone 13 Pro Max and you use Windows. Can you help explain to me that major difference in uh, technology? Yeah. So I've listened to a couple of the episodes and you ask this question frequently and I've still been contemplating my answer and I still don't know if I have a great answer, but it just probably goes back to, uh, I, I grew up on the iPhone. You know, I got the first okay. iPhone. I remember it mm -hmm. you know, back yeah. in law school. I yeah. got the first one and I've stuck with it and I haven't deviated since. Now, if you put a Mac computer in front of me, my eyes and head and brain are going to explode because I just don't understand how it works. You know, I know Macs do great things. And especially when it comes to video editing and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know, our marketing people, that's all them. They can have mm -hmm. all the Mac stuff that they want, but I've, I've grown up on windows. You know, it's, it's what I know from a, you know, desktop standpoint, but just the, the phone it's, it's all I know. It's all I've ever known. And it's, it's going to be hard to get me into an Android because whenever one of my friends hands me their phone, they're like, hey, do this. And I'm like, I, I have fingers and a brain, but they don't work with this. I have an iPhone for work and personal use, and I have a Samsung Android for uh, the blog. And it's so, in my opinion, so clunky. It's just not intuitive. And it just, I'm just always amazed how everyone loves the iPhone. They love the security. They love the easy use. They love the reliability, and yet they still have a Windows machine. And, you know, you have so many inherent problems with Windows because it seems to be built on an old, 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 old platform that's just had rehancements to it. But again, that's my personal opinion. Although I did see an article about how Intel and Windows makers are concerned that the low-end MacBook Pro that just came out, that's like 1099, is going to start outselling windows with more enhanced features you know so like windows machines you can get for like a couple several hundred dollars uh, you know for, with very basic stuff but if you start putting in equivalent additions to it you know more ram bigger hard drive better gpu that you know you start raising the price to be just a little less expensive than the new macbook pro and they're thinking that people are going to spend the extra 100 or 200 dollars you know uh, and move away from that but you know, granted, I am very biased. I, you know, I, I love my Macs. I love my Apple stuff. But the important thing, I think, is in any uh, situation is that the user has to be comfortable with what they're doing. That's true. Yeah. If you don't know how to use it and you're not confident, yeah, yeah you're, you're going to make mistakes or slip or do something. Yeah. yeah. I would so agree. Don't let my commentary poo-poo what you do or anyone other, or any of the listeners. Uh, you got to do what's best for you. And I respect that. 
Let's well, and to kind of, you know, tie into the third point on sure. you know, what we're doing with, you know, client communications, you know, anybody that's going virtual with their firm, they need to be very careful about hardware of what other people are using. Because when, you know, you hire somebody in another state or you hire somebody in another right. country, you're operating on the honesty protocol of, you know, they're telling right. me that these are the specifications of their machine. And that may be true. That may not be true. I understand people want jobs, so you may not have a way to test that. There's not a, you know, you can't say, hey, take a picture of it. Because again, everything is, you know, photoshoppable these days. So one thing that we found is if you're going virtual, you need to deploy virtual desktops, virtual okay. machines, because that is going to allow, it doesn't matter how terrible your staff member's computer is. As long as they can get on the internet and pull up a browser, they have right. full functionality. There's a little bit of a cost with that, but it gets you so much more bandwidth from their ability and skill set as opposed to them having to click an icon and wait for you know three minutes while it loads the next page. If you're using a virtual desktop, you also have the ability to track and see what they're doing through your protocols with Microsoft 365 and Delve. And there, there's so many other things that you can do and track better when you have full control through a virtual desktop. I presume then there's less security concerns about files being on their computers versus the virtual desktop. So with the virtual desktop, the cool thing about that is you can build in all sorts of security enhancements, the notifications and features. So, you know, we have all sorts of bells and whistles that go off and prevent people from emailing files to themselves or trying to drag and drop them or upload them to a flash drive or any number of things. So data integrity and security is, you know, very huge. And I didn't know about, you know, a lot of the insurance writers that are out there, but if you don't have a cybersecurity writer as a business owner of a law firm, you need to get one of those suckers ASAP because it's not a matter of when it's, or it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when you're going to have some kind of cyber attack or, you know, some issue with an employee taking something or losing something or sending it to the wrong place. It's just better to have that protection in place too. So I'm curious, not that you necessarily know, do you know if there's like a price differential between those who run on Windows versus those who run on Macs? That is probably a good question. And I do not know the answer to. I don't recall my broker asking me that question, but it could have come up. And especially now, I mean, you know, that was, that was I think, a, a year or so ago. So things may change. Well, I'm sure he didn't, he didn't say, hey, you're going to get a better price if he had Macs versus, hey, you know, what is your current tech setup? That's true. So that's true. That's uh, that's that's interesting. I've, I've got to find out about that. That would be that would be hysterical, in my opinion, if there was a price difference. It would be absolutely amazing if it was to your benefit versus mine. You know, that it was cheaper for the Windows versus the Macs. But then again, what do I know? Uh, <laughs> so let's move on to the second question. What are your three favorite tech shortcuts? Software, hardware, websites. So I got to talk hardware because I think so many people just, you know, poo-poo on hardware that, oh, it's a physical piece of equipment and it's not really going to help me or it's not that big of a deal or I can do it faster. We can pay somebody to do it. Buy the best equipment that you can buy. I mean, that's my mm -hmm. advice to every business owner. You don't have to be a, a lawyer, attorney, you don't, business owners buy very good equipment. You know, one of the examples is, you know, our scanner. 
we have one of the best, fastest scanners that we can get our hands on. Which um, one? We have, it's an Epson. And let me just pull up the, the number because you know it's an Epson DS370N. And I mean, it's not that it's not that expensive when you're thinking about a scanner. It's a five, it's 500 bucks, but it's so fast. It's mm-hmm. so efficient mm-hmm. because when, what we've learned with lots of other scanners, even like ScanSnap and other things is if you scan documents too fast, they can overwrite the document that's now pending and can cause oh. all sorts of problems. Yeah. It can be opaletting to SharePoint and stuff like that. Cause again, Microsoft is our wheelhouse. You know, you can run into issues where if you're a virtual firm like me and you scan and shred every single document that comes in the door, you want to make sure that you maintain that data integrity. This scanner, it's, it's fast. It's awesome. Totally recommend it to anybody that needs a really good scanner. Also the other thing, printers. Mm -hmm. So many times I walk into law firms and I see, you know, these, $25, $50, $100 printers that they're buying on special and on sales. Get a couple of really nice printers. You know, we we have an office where one person is here. At any point in time, there are four available printers in our office. We don't do a printer lease. I don't like printer leases. I think they're a racket. If you have the printers physically on your, your premise and you have at least one redundancy, when one goes down, you print to the other. So it, it just builds in a little bit and have one printer dedicated to color. You don't need multiple color printers. Right. You only need one. And I mean, most of us, you know, the court's really not that big of a thing anymore. You know, we're, we're doing jury trials, but now you have 60 days notice at a minimum. So you, if, if one breaks, you go to FedEx and print out your stuff in color. But buying really good printers is just my recommendation. So, so um, hold, hold up. Wait, wait. I want to I want to focus on that for just a second. A couple of things. So first of all, what brand do you particularly use? So we have the uh, HP LaserJet Enterprise. Okay. The, the model number is M610DN. I mean, it's an expensive printer. It's a thousand dollars. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. And we've got two of those in addition to a couple other just like s- smaller um, color printers. But it's so fast. I mean, it mm. prints up to 55 pages a minute in black. And when you're printing for us, you know, we file a lot of lawsuits and we litigate other personal injury law firms cases. So we're printing out lots of service packets that get mailed out to sheriff's mm-hmm. offices and things like that. Faster is better. And then having multiple trays. So you've got, you know, we've got yeah. four trays. You get your tray for your envelopes, your tray for your regular paper, your tray for your sheriff's service carbon copy sheets. Like the more that you can automate and be fast, yeah. the better. Um, you know, I, I've got a comment here real quick, though, if I may, because I noticed myself that most of my stuff is electronic, electronic filings with the um, the VA. My engagement letters are all now done by uh, online services. And I just haven't been using my printer that often. I mean, I remember when I was in law school, like I'd buy a crate of paper, you know, from Staples, and that would last the whole year. And now it's like, I'm kind of like barely going through a couple of reams of paper. And I guess that's true. I mean, every every practice area is a little different, even though we are in an electronic era. One thing we try to do, especially with our, you know, our backend marketing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So with all our clients that are either current or former clients, even though we still send them, you know, 
emails and e-blasts and newsletters and all those, mm-hmm. we still like to send letters. We still like to send okay. cards. So, you know, having that ability to do a lot of that, I think helps just because people still like to get letters because they don't get many. So they're probably going to open them more so than years ago. I've got to share one friendly suggestion though. Try out the inkjetsuperstore.com. Okay. Uh, I get I've got, so I have an HP as well. I have an HP, I have an HP LaserJet Enterprise M507. Hopefully everyone heard me as I kind of pulled away. And, you know, they're quote unquote generic printer cartridges, but they're like anywhere between like half to a third of the price. And I've only had a problem with one cartridge in like 15 years. So you know, I mean, that's, I, I, that's that's impressive. That's one that's cartridge. High accuracy. One cartridge did not work, and so and mind you, I've had different printers over the time. So I've always had an HP, and just as a you know friendly suggestion to you and the listeners, Inkjet Superstore. I'll make sure I'll have that in the notes as well, and it's really come in handy. But you know, the one thing I assume your printer does as well. If you're going to get a printer, you've got to get the automatic double side printing feature. Oh yes. A hundred percent. That saves so much paper and time and space and room. That was like, I think I started two generations ago with printers. I've started doing that. And it's just, it's just so convenient. And like I said, a time saver, but I think, let's say we talked about printers. We talked about scanners and I think we're going to talk about one more. Yeah. This thing, I was super skeptical when we first got it. I'm going to tell you about the original one and then the one that we have now. But it's an envelope or paper folder for envelopes. Oh, so wow. it's, a, it's a piece of equipment that manually will fold the paper in three places so mm-hmm. that it fits in the envelope. And I was super skeptical. I was like, we just, you know, we have our receptionist do it. Like, what's the big deal? Like, it's, it's not, that, not that efficient. When you really sit down and you think about having, you know, one of your team members who you're paying you know, 15, 16, 20, 25, $30 an hour to sit right. there, manually fold pages to then stuff in an envelope mm-hmm. that adds up really fast. So the first one we had was a Martin Yale P6200. It was like a $200. It could fold three pages at a time. And I mean, that was huge. Just being able to send letters out and, mm-hmm. you know, within two seconds, you've got it folded crisp, it's going to fit in the envelope, no issues. Um, and that one's worked for a long time. Well, then we decided to be extra because we were sending out so much mail and we upgraded to the you know 1611, which it can do like eight sheets. Okay. Now it's gigantic. And I think it's like eight or $900. But Ouch. if if you are mailing stuff, you are going to make that money back in a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, because now... Whoever's handling your mail, they're not doing any of that. They're just grabbing, stuffing, and moving on. And it just makes things so much faster. Because again, our focus is efficiency and being fast. What do you use for stamps? Uh, we use stamps.com. They've, they've been great to us. Yeah, love it. Uh, do you use, so you use their app or do you use their web interface? So we use the app. Now, I will say that we do this. If anything is under an ounce, we do not use stamps.com. It's actually more cost prohibitive. So what we do is we just have a rolling order on Amazon to where like every month we order a couple hundred forever stamps. Okay. I mean, because 
you're not going to save time there with having to print the stamp off, put it on when you're doing just a regular, you know, less than an ounce stamp. So that's kind of our, you know, our little hack there just to save a little bit and not worry about, you know, doing it for a 57 cent stamp or whatever it is right now. I love how you can do the forms, you know, for uh, priority mail. Um, and you can also do it for, and also the flat rate envelopes, which is just fantastic. And you just Print yep. it on the forms, uh, on the on the forms, and you flap the forms on either the box or the. Are you talking about the certified mail, like where you can add certified mail? I'm talking about the. Mail? I'm talking about the certified mail as well, which I used to use a lot until things were more electronic with the VA between faxing and online submissions. But what I'm talking about is when you use the priority mail boxes, the flat rate boxes and the flat gotcha. rate envelopes. Yep. You can print the envelopes off and just slap them on right there, and you're good to go. Excellent. Okay. So Jimmy you had one other so- pieces of software you wanted to share with us. Yeah. So we've discovered this. I know a lot of other businesses, a lot of other people use it, but I think attorneys are not leveraging this piece of software or app or website or whatever you want to call it enough. And it's Calendly. Mm-hmm. You don't know what Calendly is. It is an automation that allows scheduling without the need of anyone. It's so amazing because, you know, we all see these links of here, schedule your own doctor's appointment or, Mm -hmm. you know, schedule your own reservation, whether Mm -hmm. it being something like, you know, open table or any number of things. They're probably all using some, some version of Calendly to where with us using Microsoft, like we do, you sync up your Microsoft account, Calendly will look at your particular calendar and you can set certain parameters of when you want certain things and certain time periods and you know buffers built in or a number of things which in my field of personal injury you know a lot of the back and forth is trying to get adjusters on the phone or trying to get mm-hmm. defense attorneys on the phone and we're always missing each other one of the best things you can do is just send them be like hey here's my calendar link schedule a time to speak with me about this case they do it. It may, it automatically puts a notification on your calendar, and it's going right. to send both of you a reminder that it's yep. upcoming. So it just ensures that it gets done, as opposed to playing this whole phone tag thing, which can last for who knows how long. It is just it has made negotiations flow so much faster in our office by simply just implementing that with every single attorney. Well, one thing I love about Calendly, and I, I use Calendly for the blog and I use Acuity for the firm. And the one thing I like about the two tools is that it allows you to block off the times that you're available. And when other appointments pop into your calendar, you know, so that you're not available during that time, ideally you get rid of um, doubling up on appointments. So it's not like going to be like, he's not gonna, he or she's not going to set like an appointment at like 8 a.m. in the morning when you don't have that time available. Which, which yeah, one? I mean, you set your rules, you you set your right. windows, what you want, and then you can have multiple things. Like I've right. got a Calendly for just scheduling podcasts yeah. and it's, it has certain parameters. I have a Calendly for if an attorney wants to talk with me. So I, I can send everyone yeah. a different link for a yeah. different thing. And that way all the parameters are are special for that particular item. Yeah, I, I do the same thing and it saves so much time, especially the back and forth of emails. Oh, can you talk then? No, actually something's just come up. I need to change my appointment. Well, they could just do it on the Calendly or the Acuity program and say, hey, I'm sorry, I got to change. And it works both ways. Sometimes I have to you know, say, I'm sorry, something came up. I got to reschedule. And this way they have access to other alternatives. Well, for our last question, you know, you tell us about how your firm staff is spread out globally. What are your top three pieces of technology you use to ensure your work and client and clients' information is secure per ethics guidelines? So one of the first thing that goes back to is what I was talking about with insurance. You got to have insurance. Mm-hmm. 
you know, insurance is not enough. You've got to have more than errors and emissions. You got to have your business owner policy. You got to have your, you know, cybersecurity rider. Like there's a lot of insurance that any law firm owner should have. Now, does the bar say that you're required to have such and such insurance, at least in Georgia? There's no requirement, which blows my mind. And a lot of states are like that. But get as much insurance as you can because something's probably going to happen just because we're all humans and humans make errors. So that's the the first bit of just Jimmy's advice on data integrity and security. And then get with an IT professional to figure out what best practices are for data security. You know, most of us as attorneys, we went to law school because we're not the best at math and science. So with that, we need to find other people that are smarter than us in these areas. Most of us have no clue about data security and integrity. So just get with someone. There are tons of vendors that are out there that you can you know, buy their manuals, buy their protocols, have quarterly meetings with them, but just have a trusted advisor that you can go to about this stuff or as you're building that stuff, somebody that's different than your IT department. I, I like to divide and conquer on so many things. You know, we do a lot of IT ourselves in our office right. because we're, I don't know, we, we're good at it and we like it and it's fun for us on one side. But I don't like to commingle those things. I don't want your IT person being the same person that's your data security because to me, that's a conflict of interest. You know, they're going to want to bill you for as much as possible, whereas they may be overcharging or overselling or over-delivering, where if you have another vendor that's just focusing on data integrity and security, they can say, no, this is actually what we suggest for a best practice that you need. So it just, it, it helps with consistency. Well, um, you know, one thing I'm, forgive me for a little self-promotion. There's an article I've got on my blog about backing up and, you know, the three, two, one principle. You got one device, you've got two different locations of where you're storing your backup and you got three means of doing it. You know, whether you're using like a time capsule through a computer, something like uh, Backblaze, Dropbox, uh, a hard drive co uh, copy of your files at your house or your your home office or your office, you know, you just need to make sure you back up, back up, back up. And, you know, going, you know, from just the simplest thing that you can do as a person. Well, and public service announcement to anybody that's listening about this part is mm -hmm. be very careful with your online backups. Amazon cloud services, we use that. We use that mm -hmm. to back up all of our data. Yep. But you have to understand what you're actually paying for because you're not paying for much. You're paying for them to store it. Right. If you want access to that, you are going to pay a giant sum of money because they've got to go retrieve that data. It's not just that you have ready access to it because generally as time goes, the, the longer that sits on the Amazon server, you're going to have to pay for them to unarchive it, so to speak. So oh, wow. generally with your Amazon subscription, you do not have just immediate download access to go grab all those files. You've got to pay for it as well. So knowing then, that is... You might want to look at some other providers like Backblaze. There's there's a couple others that I don't, I don't remember the titles, but you know I use Backblaze. I've never had a problem. You know I can either do a, an online download or I can pay to have a hard copy sent to me either on, I think on disk or through a jump drive. I'm learning something now. This is great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you also want stuff that runs in the background so that you don't notice what's going on. 
you know, with my time capsule, I can, you know, basically create snapshots throughout the day with limited interruptions. And then with Backblaze, I have it like run between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m., you know, when I'm not working because, you know, it's taking up resources. And then, of course, like I use Dropbox, which, you know, basically is a backup of all my files. And that's constantly going. Yeah. So if there's any minute change, it gets it. All right. So you've given us two. How about a third? So again, because we use Microsoft for everything, there are right. so many tools that Microsoft offers. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the you know big things that you have access to with Microsoft is Delve. And Delve tracks all of your users and everything that they're doing. You know how many times they access your system, how many times they look at a document, how many emails they send. You know how many times they log in, how many times they log out. Like it's nuts how much data Microsoft is actually collecting on every transaction that every employee engages on. But because that's so much data, it's overwhelming. And you may not be able to process that. Like if you were you know, a giant global corporation doing billions of dollars right. of revenue, they've got people to analyze that. There's this really cool website. It's admindroid.com, A-D-M-I-N-D-R-O-I-D.com. It is super awesome. You pay a couple hundred bucks a year and it will sync up with your Microsoft and it will present all of that data in easy to understand reports about your staff. That is amazing from a tracking standpoint because really even you know before COVID, most attorneys weren't tracking what their staff and attorneys were doing. They were? Not, not to my knowledge, at least not in this area, not in Georgia. It's more of like the honor system. Oh, you got your billable hours or, oh, oh, you're doing well from a production standpoint, but not actually seeing like, when are you logging in? How many emails are you sending? What are your actual true metrics? Because what I found is most of us business owners weren't trained to be business owners. We just right. kind of happen into it. So if, if you don't learn how to be a good business owner, you don't learn how to track all the things that you need to track, where this admin droid just helps so much to give you data to make informed decisions on your employees' productivity, as opposed to just listening to them saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing great, or I did all this great work, or, uh, you know. I'm all for trusting people and having trusting relationships, but at the same time, the data also has to support what you're telling me. Well, but what does the data tell you if they're being productive, if they're meeting their goals, if they're get, if they're being, if you will, successful in their work? You know, if they only send one email, well, that person may not like work in such a way that they need to send out 10 emails to meet that quote unquote quota. Well, it's more, and maybe not for the attorneys as much. We do, I mean, again, we track everything that everybody does, right. um, but maybe more on more of the virtual administrative assistants, paralegals, where they're saying they're doing certain things. You know, those positions, especially administrative positions, you have to track a lot more right. because they're, the the key performance indicators or the metrics by which their performance is judged are a lot different. It's not like they generated X number of dollars of settlement revenue for the month. They're assisting the attorney to do that, but how they're doing it and you know what they're saying they're doing. You know, I see all of the you know hacks and tricks that are going around on the internet and TikTok and Instagram about you know how people move their mouse around with the Roomba or fans and you know how they're staying active for teams to be you know green. Right. Uh, really, nothing's actually happening. So you know, 
There, I, there's ways that you think you can trick the system, yeah. but you can't trick the system. <laughs> no, no, I, I got you. I got you. It's, you know, and part of it comes down to, you just got to make sure you're hiring the right person, which can be yes. tricky sometimes. And yeah, there are people who are out there, you know, lying about their qualifications or lying about what their, their home computers are, but usually you can catch them, you know, one way or the other, whether you're using a system like yours or just in their work product, but as it kind of eventually draws out. Jimmy, thanks for being on. Where can people find you? So you can find me a lot of places. Um, you can find me our website. It's easy. It's the same thing as our phone number. We're, our phone number is 833-4-THE-WIN, the number four. So if you want to just plug in 833-4-THE-WIN.com, that'll get you to our website. But if you want to find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, I'm Accident Attorney JG. And if, oh, well, you can get me on YouTube as well. So if you want to pull up one of those, you know, obviously hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the follow button, and just, you know, it's a fun ride. We're going to have some good times. Well, thank you for being on. And I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. I want to thank you again for being on the show and have a great day. Thank you again. Thanks. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at Michael DJ at the tech savvy lawyer dot page. Have a great day and happy luring.